this is the Art of Warcast, a news and opinion podcast about card games and board games. In today's episode, Keyforge organized play formats and a celebration and positives of playtesting. All right, welcome. I'm Tobin Lopez. So this week started off and I was, after last week's episode, I'm like, well, I got to talk about the positives of playtesting, which I didn't cover last time. And then, uh, well, I guess rivals will be spoiling their pre-constructed of, of their Ravnos deck, which is interesting because I wasn't too excited about the Zamishi deck. It's, it's interesting, but I couldn't see connections to what I do right now. And then something interesting happened. Ghost Galaxy decided that they would announce their organized play structure or at least announce some formats for their upcoming 2023 competitive Keyforge things, Keyforge events. Not necessarily their casual play, not necessarily their in-store tournaments, but their more competitive side of organized play. And they also announced the Keyforge celebration, which is in a month as I sit here. Uh, so they gave us a month's warning on a celebration that's taking place in Roseville. And they dropped a whole lot of information. My plan to go over rival spoilers and try try to figure out how to do that in an interesting way with only one person uh, was, was um, set aside <laughs> for uh, a more interesting conversation uh, about... Uh, what I think is a more interesting conversation, because I was actually pretty excited about talking about Rivals, and I'll hopefully do that next episode, which I hope comes next week, although uh, I will be traveling for work, so I might be absolutely exhausted and unable to do anything next week. So we'll see. But for now, I'm, I've managed to get to the weekly for a whole month and a little bit. So there are three new formats. There's a Sealed, there's Archon, there's Alliance, and then there's Second Amber. And these are all being tested in these last months of 2022. Uh, they again, they don't. They very specifically state they don't replace store or casual events. And they're, you know, the names aren't new. Sealed and Archon are certainly not new. Alliance is definitely a new format and definitely a new name, uh, and definitely probably the biggest firestarter for the community. So we'll get to those. We'll go to those now. Now, first things first. Here is one again. These don't replace the casual store events. And this is it. This is what Christian T. Peterson has been kind of warning us about for the last month or so. So during various GameFound campaign interviews, he talked about changes to OP and that he's happy to hear that a lot of things, a lot of people are happy about that. But to prepare yourself, because there will probably be something you don't like about the coming OP announcements. And he taught, and when he, when he did those interviews, he talked about the bloatedness of the OP structure. That there were so many variants, so many different ways of playing Keyforge in organized play. We all took that to mean that his announcement would be related to slimming that down. And that's, and that, you know, that's a good assumption. That's, that's the only, we don't know what we don't know, right? So that's a good assumption. So slimming it down to some, from something and eliminating, uh, and obviously that means eliminating, some people would have their favorite variants, favorite formats eliminated. And that's what he was warning us about. That seems reasonable. What we didn't know was that he was actually warning us about not only slimming down 
but significantly altering some play mechanics and adding another play mechanic in there. Now, the Keyforge Celebration will act as a sneak peek, as a testing ground uh, for these competitive formats in which they said on their site, and I completely believe that they will be open to community feedback. Now, I am sitting here, it's about 48 hours, less, a little less than 48 hours since the announcement was made. I've listened to various, I listened to Archon's Corner Live. They did a recording. I just happened to trip in there yesterday afternoon, listened to a bit of that. Uh, listened to a bit of the Keyforge, didn't run Keyforge podcast, listened to that. Uh, looked at some Discord conversations. And so reaction has been very mixed, but passionate. Uh, I think a lot of people are really afraid that their game is changing too much too soon. And I don't know that that's the case. I think I have to kind of squash my, my impulses as well. I'm a researcher. I want data. I want to see things. I don't want to make decisions on one piece of information. Uh, I do want to try things. I try a lot of different approaches when I facilitate learning and some work, some don't. The ones that do work, I develop further. The ones that don't work, I drop. But kudos to Ghost Galaxy for at least trying this. And again, I haven't even gotten to the details yet, but kudos for trying this because they want to bring new players in. The GameFound campaign was about the existing player base. I think this key for celebration should also be about the existing player base. I think they're using the key for celebration coupled with these OP structures, OP formats to test what could happen with Keyforge in 2023. I don't know that I and I'm and I'm willing to wait. Uh yes, I don't I don't necessarily like one of the modes. The other two are probably okay. And let's get to that. So so before I get into what I like and what I don't like, we should probably cover what they are. So again, the Keyforge Celebration will act as a testing ground and a feedback uh, opportunity for the community to Christian Peterson and Ghost Galaxy. So there's one one or one format that's changed slightly, Sealed Deck. Sealed Deck format in Keyforge used to be you buy a deck. There were, there were several, but the standard was buy a deck, play it, go for it. Now what you're going to do is you buy two decks. You have two decks. Whether you bring them to the store or you buy them there, you have two decks. You, you open them simultaneously with your opponent. You construct a single deck out of those six house pods. So the 12 cards associated with each house that are in each deck are considered a house pod. You would then take these six house pods and build a single mixed or you could keep keep them together if you want. If you can keep the deck, if you think one deck is strong enough, keep that deck to its own, right? So then you build that deck out of three house pods, and you play it. Now you play one game matches in the in the early rounds. You play a one game match, and you are eliminated. It's a double elimination. You're eliminated once you lose twice. Now one of the cool things here is that those other three houses that you didn't include house pods that you didn't include in your original deck that's your basically your sideboard so you can change things out between games you can change a pod out 
And so you'd play these, the, the tournament would go on, you'd go double elimination until there's eight players left. And then the cut is to the best of three. When you have eight players left, then you would do, instead of a single match, you'd do a best of three match. So you play three games, up to three games. Once per, someone wins tw- twice, then the other person is eliminated and the other person moves on. Now, in, in looking at these rules, the sideboarding between games for the best of three, the top cut matches, is unclear. I don't know if you can sideboard between matches there. I would guess so, but I'm not sure. So uh, what I'm calling the Infernus or the Bumblebird. The Infernus being the good things, right? Infernus being the card that everybody loves to see in their disc deck. And Bumblebird, the untamed card that probably no one wants to see in their untamed deck. Uh, so uh, uh, you might have mixed ideas on Bumblebird, but that's the taxonomy I'm going with. Infernus is good, Bumblebird not so good or bad. So the Infernus about this sealed is that these changes by customizing your deck from a limited six house pods allows you to avoid unfun decks. Like one that just doesn't really work and yeah, if you get stuck with that in a regular sealed format, you play three, you know, two, three, four games with it, and you're just not having a lot of fun, right? Sealed is awesome when you can have fun, whether you're winning or losing. I've been on the losing end many sealed games, but I can have fun because the deck allows me to do that because the other person across the table is getting used to their deck. I'm getting used to my deck, and so there's a ele- there's an added element of variance, randomness, and discovery in that play. So you can avoid... The, so sometimes that doesn't happen because you just don't have a deck that doesn't do well, doesn't generate a lot of amber, doesn't have a lot of creatures, doesn't, it's really hard to get a hold of, like like from a play aspect. What you can do is you can, you're not stuck with that. You can change it over time. You can change it between games, right? So it allows for the avoidance of unfun decks. Now, if you happen to get lucky or you're good and you can put together three house pods that provide for a fun experience and maybe they win yay that's wonderful keep going with that so that's so that's one of the good things the other good thing is it's still a singular experience the sealed deck experience is is always singular because you're always going to get that deck that deck is only going to be sealed for one tournament and that's it unlike archon unlike triad unlike adaptive unlike reversal right you are going to use that two two deck combination in sealed one time and one time only. And so there's still a singular experience there to be had. And, and that's fun. Whenever I, I used to draft games, and whenever I do that, I would love that draft afternoon. It would like really be exciting and fun and new. And it would stretch my muscles and really makes me flex my, my gaming capacity, my gaming skill. But then the sealed was over and you'd be like, okay, yeah, this deck doesn't really work very well outside that small window. So I'm going to take these cards and put them in other decks. But it's the Keyforge experience here is still a singular one, and so that's a good thing. Now, the Bumblebird part, the bad part, is that now instead of buying one deck, you're responsible for two, and that's twice the cost. That's not an insignificant thing. We used to, you know, the old refrain from Keyforge was, all you need is one deck. All you need is one deck. Well, now you kind of need two. 
right? That's a not insignificant thing. Now, having said all I said about the classic sealed, I would also urge Ghost Galaxy to not get rid of the classic sealed for casual uh, or store level events. Whether you get rid of it for competitive events, still to be decided. But I'm this one has, of the three formats, this one has me the most excited for the change. And I'm most supportive of, and I think it will actually succeed. The next change they made was to Archon. So um, now you bring three of your decks. You have a one-game match. And players are limited uh, after losing two matches, so it's a double elimination tournament. As with previous formats, you present your quote-unquote ready decks. So first match, you present your three decks to your opponent. They pick one to disqualify. You cannot choose that one for this match. And then you choose one of the two remaining. Then you play your game. Any Once, once a deck wins, it becomes what they're calling exhausted. So on if I, if I take my three decks... Opponent DQs one. I play with one of the two. I win with my deck. That deck is now automatically DQ'd or exhausted for the second round. And I present my opponent, my, my round two opponent with two decks. They eliminate one and they're basically choosing my deck for me in round two. Now, once a round has gone by with a deck exhausted, it comes back into play ready. It comes back into play, right? So round three... If I've, if I won round two, then the round two deck is exhausted and the round one deck is ready and my opponent gets to choose which deck I play for round three. Okay. Um, now if I lose round two, but then my round one deck comes back ready and I get to have three decks to present my, to my round three opponent. So that's pretty cool. Now I didn't play a lot of this format in, in under fantasy flight. Right now, the double elimination goes until you have uh, eight people remaining, and then the top cut is same format, but you're not doing there's no DQ, the match is best of three, and the winning decks of the match are exhausted. So you're stuck with the deck for all three matches. Once it wins a match, it's exhausted, and it cannot be used again at all in the playoffs. So if you think about well, around the top cut, eight requires three matches so the top two players are going to use their third deck because they've exhausted their other two there are no dqs of decks and the in the cut you just kind of if you win that deck is done right it's done for the day like soccer players <laughs> or baseball players or baseball you know baseball and substitute baseball and soccer substitutions once you substitute the player in uh, they're done for the day. They can't come back into the game. So same thing here. Infernus, the good good stuff about this is that you have to bring three powerful decks instead of just maybe two, right? Under the old Archon rules, and you, you could do kind of a, a weird meta call. So you'd shift, you'd have one deck that was good against artifacts, one deck that was good creature control, one deck that didn't have a lot of creatures, so on. So, so you could Vary your decks a little bit. In this case, you want to bring three of your most powerful decks and that are can handle any kind of thing or handle a lot of different things. So you're looking for maybe a lower power deck, but a more consistent deck. 
instead of a more focused deck on artifact destruction or artifact control or something like that. So you got to play them all. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. In order to win, you got to play them all. You can't just play one. Um, in the old Archon, you could, once you got to the top cut, you could play the same deck every time. Boom. You just played it all, all the way through. Now, you're not going to play that first deck again, that winning deck again. Uh, so that allows for some player agency for sure. And I think that's what, obviously, CTP talked about the changes coming to OP and gave us the, the warning. He talked about wanting to increase player agency. And certainly, both with Archon and with Sealed, player agency is definitely increased in Sealed. Player agency or the decision points are different for Archon. And I think I like that. I don't know that I'll ever play Archon. I'm not a competitive, like a harsh competitive Keyforge player, right? I'm not I'm not that kind of player. I, I'll play for fun anytime. I like to win, right? So if I'm if I'm like getting my butt whooped, of course, it's not gonna be fun. If I win one out of five games every day, it's not gonna be very fun. But if I can win two, three out of five and maybe make the cut, maybe just get top half, I'm okay with that as long as I'm having fun. So I don't know how, how often I'll be playing Archon. I will be going to the celebration. And so I will be playing Archon in the celebration. So I've, I've already kind of got my decks picked out because those have been my top performing decks for a long, long time. And they're probably going to be my top performing decks there. And there's a reason for that, right? Uh, on TCO, they have a 60 to 65% wind ratio, which I'm told is good. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case, but we'll see, right? First time, first time playing Archon. So the inference is you got to bring three powerful decks instead of just two. Uh, the bumble bird of that is that you got to bring three powerful decks instead of just two or one, <laughs> and you got to play them all. So you got to be ready to play them all in that environment. All right, so to easily the most uh, toxic, the most community-splitting uh, format that they announced and the biggest change that they announced. And this is the one I think CTP was probably the most concerned with. And it's the most experimental, and I'm willing to wait and see if it works. I don't think it will, but I'm willing to wait and see if it's fun. If anybody, if a certain, if, if a critical mass of people, critical number of people find this fun to do, by all means, have it available. I don't know if it should be the central piece of any Keyforge event, but it could be a good variant um, that could, you know, maybe not be as prestigious as an Archon, but it could sit alongside an Archon as kind of a, a cool thing for others to do, right? Anyhow, so it's Alliance. One Keyforge Alliance deck consists of three house pods from your entire collection. From your, from one player's entire collection. So I have 300 plus decks. So I have 900 plus house pods. Three per deck. And so I build a Keyforge Alliance deck by taking a house pod one from 
the the final deck has to have three different houses in the three house pods. But this is more along the lines of constructed Keyforge, which is also known as Soulforge Fusion. Huh. The tournament, the alliance tournament would be a one match, double elimination until eight remain, just like the other two. Cut matches are best of three. You're stuck with the deck. You've been able to build it from your entire freaking collection. So you're stuck with it. But you go one game matches, double elimination until eight remain, and then there's a cut match, which are best of three matches. And you're playing the same thing. No, there's no sideboard, nothing. The good. Player agency. This is this allows for, you know, there's there's been a certain uh, share of the Keyforge community who have been uh, doing constructed Keyforge in some manner or another, whether they be deck draft or cube drafts or something of the like. For, I don't know, since the game's beginning, but since early in the game's existence, for sure. And so this allows for player agency and some customization, some construction. That being said, we know that there are some combinations in Keyforge that are very powerful. And by allowing one to pick a house pod and take 12 card combination, 12 card pod, and add it to another 12 card pod and another deck that might not be from the same set and add it to another 12 card pod from another deck that might not be from the same set. You are getting cross set power that could just break the game. I mean, you have these Mavericks. So if you find, I mean, the first thing I think of, the first couple of things I think of is Ristring Guntus. Ristring Guntus is a discard. Right? You could find if you find a Maverick in two other houses, then you can in theory have a Ristring Guntis from three different houses in your deck and completely lock your opponent out. You could have a library access Maverick from three different houses. And uh, if you have one phase shift in one of those three houses or two phase shifts, you could find yourself drawing your entire deck and getting into kind of an almost, not quite an infinite loop because the rule of six will still apply, but holy moly. Right? What if you play, what if you, I mean, I think about like a Mars library access, double library access Mars thing where you're just drawing your entire deck and playing and, and I key, and I forget the Mars. I forget the Mars card that you can forge a key at plus nine cost minus one for every card in your hand. So if you library access and you just draw, 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 draw and especially if you have double library access, that's getting you a card in your hand plus one card with every card play, and then you play key abduction. That's what it is, key abduction, and you're done. You could play that twice, and, and because you're playing key abduction and you're drawing a card, you're most likely getting to the key abduction again, right? Or Battlefleet, for goodness sake. Battlefleet, you show however many Mars cards you have, you draw that many cards. Like, it's... That combination Mars is 
uber powerful, but you have to get it because you have the other two houses. If you have library access, you have restaurant guntus, you have these other things, you could break the game and just boom, right? So player agency, right? Player agency, good. Breaking game, bad. I don't want to play Sulfur Fusion, right? I just don't want to play Sulfur Fusion. Now, for those who aren't even going for the broken combinations, for those of you, for those of us who might go for fun stuff, it's too much work. I have 900 house pods for goodness sake. What the hell am I going to do? If I want to look for something fun or interesting and neat, like a triple epic quest deck, <laughs> right? How that, how, what, huh? Like, it just seems like too much work. Which breaks kind of the, the whole spirit of Keyforge. Keyforge was show up with a deck. You can't do anything about the deck. You have to choose the deck ahead of time. And that's, yeah, that's the work. But if you get the, you have to choose the deck, you're playing. If you're doing this alliance stuff, you're just choosing house pods. Maybe you're playing. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think this alliance thing tears, really tears at the soul of Keyforge. Whether or not there's a critical mass of players who are willing to play this, then go for it. I don't know that I ever will. But... If there's somebody who's going to play it, play it. Let's let's have it. Let's but let's test it out. And and what I find kind of a little bit weird is that the game found campaign at 1.1 million, which was so freaking successful. Peterson and Ghost Galaxy have time and time again said that that was for the existing player base. That they wanted to find out what the existing player base was. Find out how passionate it was, how how large it was. It ended up being sixty more than six thousand people, and for in for more than one point one million dollars. And then this whole like thing, whole alliance thing, seems to run counter to that existing player base. And maybe that's what they're trying to do. Maybe they're maybe they're just testing the waters, and that's fine. They got to bring in new players somehow, right? Maybe this is the way to bring in new players. <laughs> but I think there are limitations that you would need to put on this alliance format. Listening to some of the podcasts, listening to some of the things I thought of, uh, the, they were mentioned that it can be very broken. Obviously, I've talked about that already, right? But cross-house enhancements. So in Mass Mutation, you had a card in Sanctum that would grant capture, a card in Disc that would grant damage, a card in Logos that would grant card draw enhancements. But those enhancements didn't necessarily appear on those house cards. So a Sanctum capture mechanic might appear on Logos cards, and Logos draw card draw mechanic might appear in Sanctum. So you could leverage... In building the alliance, you could leverage the card draw in Sanctum to that came with a weaker card in Logos and not use the enhancement card, but use the enhanced cards. So there's a little bit of uh, maybe power draw there, a power creep there. And that's that's one. Obviously, the Maverick mechanic allows you to have multiple instances of cards in an alliance deck that weren't intended to appear together in a single deck, like library access. So some of the limitations you could maybe put on it, and it seems it's weird because it seems, ironically, it seems like this would be a really fun casual format. 
in that you say, okay, let's play Alliance, but you're playing from one house pod from each of the last three sets. And that's it, right? So you split up the sets, but you you have to take one from Winds of Exchange. You have to take one from Dark Tidings, and you have to take one from Mass Mutation. You don't get two of Mass Mutation. You, you get one of each, right? Or one of the... Of, of a random choice or you have to take, take them from the last three sets or the different sets or what have you but you can't take them from one set so it, I think it would be really cool to just casually do that and you put some limitation, limitations on it yourself but if this is an effort to get new players that's, that's wonderful we need to th- start thinking as a community about how do we get new players in at the same time we want to make sure that the we don't lose a significant portion of the new player base. Now, given that these are competitive, these are targeted for competitive, where the new player base is largely in-store casual, that's a balance that we've got to figure out how to strike. Right? We've got to figure out how to have a strong store-based casual event OP structure and engagement and have a, a strong competitive structure and engagement. Now those two groups might not be, there might not be a lot of overlap there. Uh, the Venn diagram might not show a lot of overlap, but that's okay. You can have a strong competitive scene that is to some extent different than the casual store event scene. However, from experience, a strong competitive scene can feed into a casual store event scene. And so you need to have some overlap. You need to have some way for people to test their competitive muscles and sharpen their competitive skills in the stores that will allow them to believe that they can have fun and engage in the competitive level stuff. So that's a really hard balance to strike. And I applaud Ghost Galaxy for trying for trying something new. This, heck, this is new. This is about as new as it could get. And props to them for doing that. I would really hope that they are going to listen to the community. Whether the community says yay or nay on this, I hope that Ghost Galaxy really listens. Especially if they say yay, Ghost Galaxy moves forward. Wonderful, right? Yay, we got it right. But if the community comes back and says, this sucks, I want Ghost Galaxy to listen too and say, okay, we're going to scrap that. Now, one thing they've done also, is they've added a second Amber kind of classification. So in any of these tournaments, whether they be casual at the store level tournament, whether you're holding them in the local area or competitive ones, second Amber tournaments are like consolation tournaments uh, for those people who once they're eliminated from the double elimination rounds can then join these second Amber tournaments and play there. So that's pretty cool. Right. It's a way to keep people engaged and keep people doing something for the rest of the day, allowing them to move on. Right. I envision these things happening at a Gen Con or larger conventions and people can move on from the main tournament or they can keep playing in the second Amber activities as well. So that's cool. So, yeah, the as far as organized play, putting a kind of a cap on this is. I'm excited for I'm excited to test sealed Archon since I'm not I haven't played Archon a lot that seems like a good 
change, right? For for diversity and variance in the game. Uh, Alliance, mm, yet to be determined. In, e- in any of these three cases, I hope Ghost Galaxy really listens to their community. All right, so the Keyforge celebration was announced as well as the OP stuff. So the Keyforge celebration will be taking place in Roseville, Minnesota, November 11th through the 13th at the Game Center with a Z because it's cool like that, um, which is the former uh, Fantasy Fight Games event center. So I, I've been to that location uh, six, ten times now. It's a wonderful little location uh, off of freeway in roseville minnesota it has some restaurants around within walking distance it has hotels within walking distance um actually i don't know if it now that joe sensors is closed yes a spoiler alert folks joe sensors uh that popular hangout american grill food was good to not so good uh, but the alcohol was flowing and the seats were big and, you know, the tables were large so you could accommodate large groups, which was awesome for those um, world championships events that uh, FFG held so often. So, yeah, Joe Sensors is closed and none of that's going on, unfortunately. Yeah, so that's happening uh, 11th through the 13th at the FFG Event Center. There's $75 for the for tickets for the whole weekend. Seal events do cost extra. There will be a goodie bag, so we'll probably worth it. Uh, with, you know, amber pips and who knows, maybe a deck or two. I don't know what, what might be involved there. I think an unchained, I think the goodie bag does come with an unchained deck. So there will be, of course, sealed tournament. There'll be an Archon tournament. There'll be an Alliance tournament. And there'll be second amber tournaments alongside those three. There'll be open play, right, which is you just kind of play each other. And then there'll be unchained open play. So if you ha- you'll have an unchained pin or some kind of lapel thing right where you say hey i'm open to play unchained so you play unchained and apparently if you lose with your unchained deck once you lose twice maybe three times then you can go get another one (laughs) and you can have another unchained deck and you can keep playing people right and the people with the the person with the most unchained wins i think will get a prize at the end so that's cool so i am i am going to this and I'm well I'm <laughs> I'm shilling out a lot of money because I don't know if anybody I know is going from Colorado especially but I'm gonna go and I'm gonna have fun and play some Keyforge and just get with the community again retouch right and re-establish a relationship with uh, so many of you that I've I've talked to and communicated with in the past so I'm looking forward to that All right, so last week I did a whole bit on playtesting, right? I talked about the entire, what, what I view as the entire full experience of playtesting. A buddy of mine listened to it and he says, wow, anybody listens to that, they're going to run from playtesting, <laughs> run away scared, no one's going to touch it. Uh, and I realized that after I, after I posted it, I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is kind of negative on the playtesting experience. I guess what I want to say is that you, everybody comes in excited to play test. 
and I don't want to kill that excitement, but I do want to open your eyes and let you know that it is, it was work. It's not easy, but there are rewarding things. There's nothing like the, I mean, think about the excitement that you have when a new, something new gets announced of a game you love you get to share it with all these folks, right? And you, that excitement. Now think of that writ slightly smaller and you can't celebrate it with everybody, but you can celebrate with a small group of people, but slightly smaller with a brand new set that hasn't even gone out to anybody, right? So when, they, when you start a playtesting, a new set of Keyforge, a new set of L5R, a new set of Marvel Champions, a new set of Arkham Horror, when you're the playtester in that group, you're like, oh, what's next? And you get to be the early, you get early reviews, early access, What's next? Let's let's do. Oh, oh, this is cool. Oh, oh, oh. All right, let's test this. Let's test this. And you have to go in with saying this is not going to be the final product, but let's test this. Oh, this is cool. This is oh, oh man, this kind of is overpowered. Oh my god, this is bad. And then, so that happens with the first iteration. So you give your feedback, and then when they post an update, whether it be next week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever, however regularly they post updates. There's that newness. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, they changed that. Oh, that's good. Oh, they changed that. Made it. Oh, all right, all right, cool. Okay, they, they switched that from this. Then, okay, okay, cool. So, there's that 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 excitement becomes more regular. That newness factor becomes more regular, and that's pretty exciting. That's pretty compelling for me. What's also really compelling is that you get to be part of building the game. Like there have been significant points. I can remember. Th- two or three significant points in Marvel Champions in and in Keyforge and in Keyforge Adventures in particular, where me personally, I had my ideas, my input had a lasting effect on the game. Uh, now, I gave that input, the designers considered it, and the de- designers did something with it. That's what I'm talking about. Thwart in Marvel Champions. That came from a conversation I had with another friend of mine. The two of us came up with that idea. We proposed it. That was huge. And then they went ahead with it and we're like, oh my God, that's that's amazing. The conversation I had with uh, about Worlds Collide and Saurians meant that about a half a dozen creatures got changed in Saurian. I was on the I was on the phone for about an hour with the designer. And I offered advice on I think a dozen cards and he changed six or eight of them. If you were to ask me today, I could point to maybe two cards that I remember exactly what the change was, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> Uh, beyond that, I, I can't tell you, but I know I, I know at the time I'm like, man, these six cars got changed. That's awesome. Keyforge Adventures. There were some changes there. Um, not quite as big. Well, maybe. I mean, the, the whole there's a whole tide mechanic came from a conversation that I had with another friend of mine. Right. So so you have an impact for the game and and those moments are pretty awesome for somebody who isn't a game designer. I'm not a creative person. Like, I can write. I write, and in that way, I'm creative. I write, but I write research. It's very technical writing. 
And, um, but when I, so when I get to express my creativity, whether it be through this podcast or whether, it get, whether I get to express my creativity by saying, Hey, let's tweak that little thing in the game and have that make it through, have my input validated by a game designer and put into their game. That's awesome. So yes, there's a whole lot of work involved with playtesting, but there's a lot of return as well. If you want to put in the work, you'll get the return. If you want the, once you taste a little bit of that, that good stuff, Ooh, Ooh, it's pretty awesome. All right. That's all I have for now, folks. Until next time. Remember you have a choice. Increase the cool in the world or decrease the suck. Thanks for listening.